Today our scripture reading is from Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. When Jesus and his followers approached Jerusalem, they came to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives. Jesus gave the two disciples a task, saying to them, Go into a village over there. As soon as you enter it, you will find, you will find tied up there a colt that no one has ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the master needs it, and he will send it back right away. They went and found a colt tied to a gate outside of the, on the street, and they untied it. Some people standing around asked them, why are you doing, what, what are you doing, untying the colt? They told them just what Jesus said, and they left them alone. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread out their clothes on the road, while others spread branches cut from fields. Those in front of him and those following were shouting, Hosanna, blessing, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessings on the king, coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went, went into the temple. After he looked around at everything, because it was already late in the evening, he returned to Bethany with the twelve. This is the word of God. always thought we haven't given Jesus enough credit. We haven't given Jesus enough credit for being careful, for being thoughtful, for being a plan maker. I don't think we give Jesus enough credit for being crafty. You see, he, we think about Jesus as God and we sort of attribute all of the stuff that Jesus does that is especially cool to the God part of Jesus. All the stuff that, that Jesus does that are special or unique or extra smart or extra wise. We always think, well, that's just the God part of Jesus acting. But it struck me today that Jesus, the human Jesus, was incredibly creative, was incredibly crafty, was a tactician. He made plans. Nothing he does is by accident. It's not a Jesus who's bumbling around the countryside uh, just waiting for things to happen. Jesus does everything with intention, with purpose, with planning. When he goes to places, when he does things, when he heals people when he, or chooses not to heal people, Jesus always does it with a plan in mind, with a greater picture of the world in mind. The human Jesus was super smart, and super creative, and super crafty. And I've never thought we got him, gave him enough credit for having been so thought out, so well planned. Because it's clear when we get to Palm Sunday that Jesus had a plan. I can't imagine growing up your entire life, like, I don't know, if you were in the royal family, I guess, you would grow up your entire life knowing you were going to do something. If you're Prince William, you grow up your entire life knowing that one day you will be king. I can't imagine what that must be like what the pressure he must experience is like, how um, sheltered and um, narrow-focused his life must be, and yet Jesus is much the same way. When angels come to your birth and say, you're going to be the Messiah one day, that's kind of a life plan. You don't really get a choice about what's going to happen in your life. You generally get a choice about how you go about doing the thing. 
And so Jesus knew his entire life that this was the week he was leading up to. This was the week that he had always wanted his whole life to happen. And so Jesus had a lifetime to plan. He had a lifetime to think about how this day was going to go, how this week was going to go. And Palm Sunday is probably the best thought out, most well-crafted piece of street theater I have ever seen. Because that's what it is. It's street theater. It's a flash mob. Jesus is going into Jerusalem to make a point. Jesus knows he's not going to be king, right? Jesus knows that the civil authorities aren't just going to be like, cool, you rode in on a donkey. I guess you get to be king now. Like, Jesus knows that's not how this is going to work. Jesus knows that everything he's doing is a symbol. It's symbolic. Everything he's doing is to prove a point. Everything he does on Palm Sunday is to make people mad. He's trying to get the religious authorities to be mad. He's trying to get the civil authorities to be mad so that this week can go the way it needs to go. He goes into Jerusalem knowing that all of this is false. That the Hosannas he hears on Sunday morning are going to change to cries of crucify him by Thursday. It's street theater. Now, he leaves and goes back to Bethany at the end of this day. He doesn't stay in Jerusalem. And you can imagine at the end of the day, sitting at the table where his disciples sort of looked at him and went, what on earth are you doing? What on earth are you doing, Jesus? I thought we were going to Jerusalem and we were going to have a party and we were going to be kings now. And we're just back where we started from. What are you doing? What's the point? But that is the point, really. The point is to set wheels in motion. The point is to start off things that need to happen, that only Jesus knows about that needs to happen. Well, Jesus has been telling them for a little while that this was going to happen, right? Jesus spent several chapters right before this telling them, look, you're going to go. We're going to go to Jerusalem, and then I'm going to get killed. This is what's going to happen. And the disciples, what did they do? They didn't believe him. They didn't understand or they didn't listen. But the whole point of Palm Sunday is to do this. All he asked the disciples to do is to go and buy a donkey. All oh, that's all he needs. He needs two disciples to go and buy a donkey, to untie it, go get the colt Jesus had already had planned, go get it and bring it to him. That's all he needed to do. And the disciples, did you notice, had a bunch of questions. Why? Why do you need me to go get a donkey? That doesn't make any sense. Why does this guy already know that you need a donkey? That doesn't make any sense. Jesus, can you just tell me, what does the donkey have to do with your crucifixion? I don't understand. All they have is questions. They want to know. They want to know, what does Sunday have to do with Thursday? What does Sunday have to do with Friday? What does this Sunday have to do with next Sunday? I don't understand any of it, the disciples say. They want Jesus to tell them the plan. They want Jesus to tell them the plan so that they can be in charge of the plan, so that they can make the plan happen. And as Presbyterians and as type A type people, I don't know if any of you are like this, um, but I like to be in charge. None, 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 no, no other people around here who like to be in charge, right? I like, you know, I like to be in charge. Karen, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> right? We like to be in charge, Presbyterians especially. We have that running joke about everything being decent and in order, right? 
we can make any decision you want as long as it's decent and in order, which means it's going to take at least three months to make any decision, right? And there's good reasons for that. Process is important. We have a process so that we can make wise decisions so we're not rushing into things, but it does sometimes mean that it takes us longer than other people to make decisions. And on occasions, what it can do is it make us feel like we're really the ones in charge of our decisions. What it makes it feel like is that if we think about it enough, if we, um, if we dissect it enough, if we understand all the mechanics of whatever is going to happen, if we just knew what the end result was going to be, then I'd feel totally comfortable with this decision, right? I think a year ago, if you'd sat in the session meeting and said to them, you know, in a year, we're going to be sitting on a wet lawn outside for Palm Sunday, that that discussion would have gone differently. But we didn't know the plan. We didn't know. We didn't know what the end result was going to be. We didn't have a glass ball that said, you know, if you do this, then this is going to happen, then this will happen. And I promise, in 18 months and three days, everything will be fine which is how we would feel really comfortable with making decisions. It's how I would make comfortable making decisions. I like knowing what the end is going to be before I start. I like the puzzles that have the picture on the front. And I get really mad. Have you ever gotten a puzzle box and the pictures on the front and then they put like a thousand pieces on the middle of the puzzle, right? And then so you don't get the whole picture and you sort of have to guess what's underneath the little advertisement? Or they put the price sticker on it. I hate that. <laughs> and then you peel it off and there's no puzzle left. I like to know what the picture is going to be before I start the puzzle. I want to be in charge. We also think that if we get enough heads in the game, then we'll find the right answer. It's a, one of those things where we think if we just ask enough people, if we just um, look at enough places, if we look at enough resources, then a clear direction will lead us. We'll find the right direction that we can feel confident in. Liz and I were texting last night um, about the weather. <laughs> you know, what do you think the weather's going to be? And so I sent her my weather app and what my weather said it was going to be. And she sent me her weather app and what her weather said it was going to be. And they were completely different. So what do you do with that? I mean, if it had just been me making the decision, I would have gone on with my 15% and we'd have taken a chance and it would have been easy. But no, we group decide, right? <laughs> and we made it a lot harder on ourselves. But that's important, that group decision making. Because sometimes somebody else does have the answer. And the other thing that this does is it reminds us that we're not Jesus. We're not Jesus. We don't get to ride the donkey. We sometimes like to think that we are Jesus, that we are the ones in charge, that we get to choose whether we, we get on the cross or not, that we get to choose whether we go into Jerusalem or not. We think that we get that choice, and the truth is that we don't get that choice. The disciples didn't get a choice. If Jesus had said to them, which he did, they just didn't listen, if Jesus had said to them on Sunday, you know, if you go get this donkey and go get me some palms and we go into this town, at the end of the week, you're going to be locked in a building, hiding. Do you think they would have gone? Would you have gone? 
what all this type A stuff, all this thinking we can plan things out does, what it tricks us into thinking is that we have control over circumstances that we don't have control over. There's almost, there's so little in our lives that we have control over, that really, when it comes down to it, that we really have control over. Like, I can decide what I eat for breakfast, probably. But I don't have a lot of control over what happens in the next four hours. I have almost no control over what happens in the next four weeks. I don't get that control because I'm not Jesus. Or it teaches us to believe that if we just wait long enough, then the right choice will happen. That if we just wait long enough to make a decision, if we just wait, then, I don't know, Jesus will come out of heaven and say, this is the right choice. I don't know how many times I've prayed for that in my life. Jesus, just give me a sign to tell me which direction to go. I just, you know, a sign, that's all I'm asking. That doesn't seem too much, right? It doesn't seem too much. But the truth is that we don't get that picture. The only one who has the long-term plan, the only one who knows for certain what is going to happen in a week, in a month, in a year, in five years, in ten years, in a hundred years is Jesus. It's not you. It's not me. Sometimes we only get to know what the next step is. Sometimes we only get to know what the next step is and we trust that the step after that is already in a plan. We're not Jesus. And so maybe the question isn't, Lord, what's the plan? Lord, can you just give me an answer? Lord, what's happening? Can you just tell me what this is going to be like? Maybe the question for us on this Palm Sunday is, Lord, what do you need me to do today? Today, what do you need me to do today? Do you need me to go get a donkey? I can do that. Is that what you need from me today, is to just go get a donkey? We want to be in charge. We want to be God's co-pilot, right? We want to have our hands on the wheel. But the truth is, what we have our hands on is listening to God and to taking the first step. We have a choice of whether we listen, whether we open our ears to hear, whether we clear out that need to know the answer enough to see the next step on the road. We're reminded that Jesus is king that Jesus is the one on the cross and that our job is to wave the palm branches, is to stand at the foot of the cross and be with Jesus, to witness. Our job is to take the next step when it's revealed to us and to be ready to do that without knowing where that is going all the time. Our job is to trust Jesus long enough to say, what do you need me to do today? I'll go get a donkey. It doesn't make any sense. I don't know why. But that's the next step. So I'm going to trust. I'm going to trust to take the first step and to not need to know the answer. Amen.